Hey, Josh Felber here, excited for today's guest. If you're in the real estate market or looking to get into real estate, Chris has over 30 years worth of experience and now he teaches and works and helps people figure out creative financing with high crazy interest rates right now, everything else. You gotta check out what Chris's strategies are, what he's doing and how he's helping people come up with some amazing creative financing solutions. Check out Chris Prefontaine in today's episode of Making Bank. I am screaming like they did a match of 20 to double down. And, and because I feel like with the demand for creative right now, even if you're a brand new student, and I'm not trying to make it sound easy, this is a sprint, but if you're willing to sprint and commit and learn how to do it with that, si with that size of an upside, it's worth the learning curve. You can, in my opinion, sprint for the next nine or 12 months and create like five years to a decade worth of income in these three paydays. Next up, representing Primal Life Organics, Josh Making Bank Felber. Welcome to Making Bank. I am Josh Felber, where we uncover the mindset and the success strategies of the top 1%, where you can amplify your life and your business today. Super excited for today's guest. Chris Prefontaine is the four-time best-selling author of Real Estate on Your Terms, The New Rules of Real Estate Investing and Sell with Authority for Real Estate Investors. Is he also the founder and chairman of the Wicked Smart Companies and hosts the Smart Real Estate Coach Podcast. Chris has been in real estate for over 31 years. His experiences range from constructing new homes in the 90s to owning a reality executive franchise to running his own investments through commercial and residential and coaching his clients throughout North America. After the crash in 2008, Chris re-engineered his entire business to weather all the storms and economic cycles. Understanding these challenges, he helps his students navigate the constantly changing real estate waters. Today, Chris and his family and team run their creative financing business, and they are still in the trenches every day. So I'm excited to welcome Chris Prefontaine to Making Bank. Thanks, Josh. Love it. I can't wait to dive in here with you. For sure. So... Well, we're in 2023, everybody's saying recession, real estate's going, going to go down the tubes, may or may not buy, like, love to start with your insight and what you're thinking and what you're teaching out there, and then we can kind of dive into all the other greatness that you got going on. Yeah, well, the, the economists are going to love me, because here's my opening comment on that question. The, the billionaires don't know, the, the economists don't know, if they say they do, I probably run, so I, I don't know what's going to happen, but here's, here's what I do know. Uh, this there's, there's chaos again, right? There's a little uncertainty again. Yep. Uh, in our favor as investors, the media is screaming recession. I don't know where they're getting that data, but they're screaming it. So uh, all we do know is what? Interest rates went up. A lot of the buyers got pushed to the side who sadly thought they could buy. Demand came down a little bit. That screams loudly for creative financing. So mm, I'm, yeah. I'm happy about it. My wife says all the time, I've married 37 years this year, Josh. And she says, okay, so how does that affect what you're doing? Like she's been saying it forever. I say, I, and I said this, this, this month, this is great. We just have to get out and help a whole bunch of people because they need our help right now. For sure. 
Definitely. So you've, I mean, you've weathered the storms. You've been doing real estate for a long time. You're in commercial, residential, so I'm guessing that's multifamily, single-family home. Home. Kind of give us a little bit of your background and kind of what uh, where you come from. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do 31 years in like two and a half minutes. So we built a bunch of homes in the early 90s. I I was fired from a family business that got sold, and I was supposed to have the general manager job in '91 with a kid with my kids two and three years old. I got fired. I lasted like two and a half three weeks. I said, Dad, they fired me. Oh, they did. Okay. So I went into real estate full-time. We built a bunch of homes. Uh, then I owned that franchise you mentioned. I sold that to Cowell Banker in 2000. And then I coached people throughout U.S. and Canada leading up to the crash. Back then, Josh, it was I was, I was a broke. It was realtor coaching, whereas now okay. it's strictly investors. But the crash just kicked my butt big time financially and mentally. Mentally was bigger, but it caused me, in hindsight, you couldn't have convinced me back then, but it caused me to re-engineer the business to what it is today. So that means no banks, no signing personally, only buying things on terms, owner financing, subject to existing financing, creative things like that. Based on that, you know, are you seeing uh, in the marketplace, I guess, uh, let's just say a couple years ago, were people more uh, like adapt to doing creative financing or are we seeing that more now coming up? Yeah, good question. It was crazy. So March of 20, right before the, the craziness, Mm -hmm. I, everybody's in a panic, everybody, every industry. And I screamed from the rooftops to my community, the wicked smart community. I said, double down. This is, this is when they need you. Our, our properties taken in on the contract went up by like three times, but then wow. the craziness of the selling started and then it got harder to get those same deals. So because we know our metrics, it just became, I got to do twice as many calls to get the same deal perhaps because sure. things are getting crazy. Now, I will tell you to your question in the next three to five years, maybe it won't last so long, but, but at least a couple of years, there's been more demand for creative than I've ever seen in my 31 years because of the need for the guidance right now, the uncertainty, the press screaming. This is helping creative financing. Like when I started in the 90s, maybe two or 3% of the deals nationwide were done outside of banks. I, I searched high and low for a hard stat on this, but it's in the teens. It's getting, it's getting much stronger. Uh, because you, the banks are tougher and tougher to deal with. Think of all yeah. those people that need help now because of the interest rates. And that's so true. I mean, whether it's real estate or other acquisitions, uh, we were trying to finish a large acquisition before the end of the year and had everything done and ready. And last second, the owner backed out on the deal. And so we tried to find uh, another uh, uh, another one before real quick yeah. for the end of the year. And all of a sudden the banks are like, Oh, loan, the values are changing and, and prices are going to be dropping. And so now like, we want 40% down instead of right. the 15% that we were doing. I'm like, ah, forget it. We're just going to push it off till next year. And, it's crazy. And, this building it, I'm in right now where I'm sitting, talking to you, I bought this in 18 off of what I love, who I love to deal with free and clear sellers. A third of the properties in the U S are free and clear. This okay. I was free and clear. Not only do we structure a deal, but he only would do owner financing. Like people say, how do you wow. convince? You don't. You just solve problems. And this guy wanted owner financing for tax and estate reasons. But when the banks do that, like, can you imagine going through underwriting for commercial? It's grueling. I don't want to deal oh, yeah. with it anymore. And so I didn't have to deal with, that, deal with that here. You don't have to deal with that crap. Well, so uh, tell our audience. So some people are listening like, okay, he keeps talking about creative financing. What is creative financing? Sure. So for us, three things, because you can go crazy with the different offshoots. Right. right. <laughs> um, owner financing in particular, like I just alluded to, like this building and many, many homes. But we niche it down to go with free and clear, as, as I alluded to. Okay. Because uh, there's a lot of properties like that. And that's a great seller to deal with. That's someone who's financially all like set up well. 
Now, opposite of the coin, creative, we buy subject to existing financing. That means I'm going to buy someone's home, but the, the, the guarantee, their personal signature, and that loan is staying in their name, even though I take ownership of the property. Mm. So that, that, that's more the opposite end of the spectrum, though. That's more of someone that says, look, I need financial relief. I need it yesterday, and I don't care how you do it. So there's two different advertisers there for sellers. And then somewhere in the middle is uh, our third way we buy is lease purchase. So we do okay. all three of those. Awesome. Well, I'd like to kind of dive into a little bit each of those areas. Um, one, because it interests me for sure, because we've been moving into some multifamily and different things like that, um, just from my wife and I and everything else. And so, and uh, we own some other properties that are STRs and short-term rentals and stuff as well. So uh, it's always interesting to figure out different opportunities and different ways to creatively structure deals. And especially now with, um, there's a lot of... Uh, notes that are going to be coming where they have to, you know, interest rates are going way up. And yeah. so people are either going to have to exit or, you know, figure out um, a way to, <laughs> to do some creative financing. Right. So yeah. the first one you mentioned um, was free and clear. So the owner owns a property a hundred percent has no debt on it or anything. Um, those are your best one, your favorite ones. What are your kind of those typical creative financing structures that you're able to see or do with those? With the free and clear, here's why I like it, to answer your question. We typically, like 98% of the time, and there's some hybrid that I'll talk about, but 98% of the time, we're doing these deals and structuring with the owner monthly principal-only payments. So think about that. With an uncertain market, if you can get at least 10-year terms, I got 20 here, but you on a house, let's say you get 10-year terms, and you're doing principal-only paydown, you're getting massive, massive hedge against recession, against any market change, with that, and so you almost don't care about the price as much as you do. Can I get the term I want to whale that principal down? So that's how we do the the uh, owner financing free and clear properties. Now, I mentioned the word hybrid. I sat with the gentleman for this property, and he's very savvy. was was the largest landowner, one of them in this area. He's since passed away, so now I'm paying his family. But we sat in this office, and he said, "I want 5.25 percent interest." And I said, "Alan, we pay principal only." And he said, "Principal only." So. We had this 10-minute conversation. It ended up with 18 months. I said, I'll pay principal only, 18 months worth, all that going to principal. And then at the end of that, would take the new balance and would amortize it and get him closer to his rate. We both mm. won on that deal, and that's a bit of a hybrid. But it hammered down principal more than you ever would in a commercial loan in that time period. That's why I love it. You know, that's awesome because, yeah, I mean, if you can hammer that down before your interest kicks in, that <laughs> pay as much as you can do that. Yeah. So with the, with the owner financing, the free and clear, you're paying down the principal only. What are some of those different structures and, you know, that you're able to go? So we, we got principal only. That's great. Um, what are some other ones that you guys have worked with or your students have worked with um, that they've been able to put together? So on the, on the owner financing, it's, it's literally either that principal only or some kind of a hybrid, which doesn't happen that much if someone needs to bop and weave. Uh, but then when you move to something like, the subject to existing financing, it's usually one of two things with that. So if I'm taking over someone's house and there's an underlying debt, sometimes, frankly, it's just what the house is worth and we're taking over for, for the debt. No okay. other financing, no other creativity, nothing. Uh, there's, there's creativity with how we hold it for, for bank reasons and things like that, but we take over that loan. Um, they stay on it personally. Sometimes, we just did a deal in California with a student, where the gentleman had a house that he just moved into. It was costing him like six grand a month. His other property, he was well off, obviously, but his other property was costing him four grand a month, and it was empty. And he was like, okay, I'm done. Like, I want to do something. 
So he had about 250 grand equity in this house. He sold it to us sub to the existing financing with that four grand payment. And so we bought it. And now on the difference, there was some owner financing that he's doing no interest, no payments for some time in the future with a balloon. So that's a case where we did a sub two. The guy wasn't hurting per se, but he wanted to stop the bleeding. He was current, but we had to give him uh, a second position for his equity with no payments or no interest yet until sometime in the future there's a balloon. I think it's three or five years. So there's a bit of a hybrid too with a sub two and an owner financing. And so with the sub two, um, <clears throat> that's the subject to you guys are then taking over his $4,000 a month payment using that example of his current payment. He's still on the loan. Correct on that one. Yep. And then you guys are saying, hey, we're going to go ahead and pay this. And then when it's paid off, it, it's, it's your property. Well, okay. Good question. So we take ownership right away. The title does transfer. Okay. So that, and that loan stayed in his name. And for his equity of like, I think it was like 250 Okay. We gave him a second mortgage. So we own his past house, but he, we gave him a second mortgage for his equity. So he's at least protected if we ever, you know, went to Tahiti on him. Right. That door, you know, he's protected on his 250. He could foreclose. So, yeah, that, that's, that was, but that's unique. Usually if someone does a sub two and they're willing to keep their loan in their name, they usually have no equity or they're behind. Right. That's what I was curious on. about. <clears throat> yeah. And Josh, we don't, typically we don't take on a property like that. Okay. Especially with... Um, underlying debt un until and unless we find our buyer, how we exit our properties, our rent home buyer. But with this one, we did, we picked up a lot of equity on the table, but, but that's not the norm, especially for a new student. The norm is, Hey, I'm making this offer contingent upon finding my buyer. So I'm not out of pocket and I'm covered. Gotcha. Okay. And so then you're helping then say, okay, we're going to take this over, but we're finding a buyer First. that'll then take the, take over the actual property. Yeah, we exit all most of them on rent to own program. You, in your book, and, and you guys, and you talk about stuff buying and selling real estate on your terms. I, I kind of go into a little bit more for me on that. Yeah, so that is what was what most people. So I stopped saying terms because most people understand that's creative. So uh, when I say buying and selling on terms, it is referring to those three methods that that you and I just nailed. Yeah. Okay. And you know, with this, like, do you got to have a real estate license? Can you just do it on your own? Like what's any requirements or anything? Yeah. Uh, disclosure here. I'm not giving you licensing laws. I'm not an attorney, but my experience has been, uh, I don't know of a state where you or I, Josh, couldn't sell our own home if we own it uh, or on title or control it. So all our properties, uh, we are not acting as realtors. We actually own the home like we just talked about, uh, or we control it uh, by way of an equitable interest. So, you know, you don't need to be licensed. Can you be? Yeah, plenty of people in the Wicked Smart community also are licensed. There's pros and cons. I resigned my license on purpose. I didn't want the, the crossover and the drama of realtors saying, you're trying to get my listing. It just was a bunch of drama. Gotcha. But are there pros to that if you're a realtor? Yeah. Anything that doesn't fit inside their box, so to speak, they couldn't get the listing. They didn't want to pay a commission. They owe too much. Any of that, they could buy it. So they, they can win big time. So there was a third way you mentioned too for creative financing. Kind of let's dive into that right now too. Sure, lease purchase. It is yep. sort of the most attractive for a new person because our lease purchase agreements allow you to have the seller sign this lease purchase agreement whereby now you control the property and built into the agreement is a whopping $10 deposit, literally $10. And I'll give you a great example. So Brian in, in Illinois, he's my, our newest sort of superstar in the community. 
his first eight properties in Chicago were lease purchase. It was more of a comfort level, Josh. I don't want to take title yet, or I don't want the risk of doing that yet, but I like this lease purchase thing. So $10 per property. When we exit the properties on rent to own, and Brian did this with the lease purchase, he took, he took the properties in agreement, and then he turned around and did a rent to own. So it's called a sandwich, right? Because he's in the middle of the buyer and seller. Yep. The only state you can't do that is Texas. But he, So he did this in Illinois. And in doing that, we create three paydays on every single deal. So Brian amassed, like, I think it was a little over 800 grand in three paydays on these eight deals. That's pretty massive with $10 uh, yeah. per property. And, and now he's more advanced. But that's how he started off because it is a, it's palatable for a new person. And so kind of describe the lease to own for people that are listening that are not, you know, real estate savvy. Sure. So in sort of layman, simple terms, it's picture a rental. But when I'm talking to a seller, my lease purchase agreement says, okay, I'm going to take over, uh, there's usually debt. I'm going to take over your underlying debt once I install my buyer in the home. I'm going to take full responsibility for all repairs and maintenance, which I'm passing on to my buyer. But as far as the seller is concerned, I got it. And then uh, if there's any equity, let's use some numbers. Let's say it's your house. It's We're agreeing on your house is worth about 250 but you owe two. Okay. So I'm basically saying, hey, Josh, on or before 36 months, I'll use that for a term. I'm going to pay off your underlying 200 grand loan, which is going to be a little bit less than. That benefits me. But I'm locking in your 50 grand. Now, you couldn't sell it on the open market or you didn't want to pay a fee and you know eat into that. But I'm going to protect that full 50. But you're going to get it at the end of the 36 months. That's how that lease purchase works. It's a definitive date. And, and how I'm going to cash it out is my tenant buyer, I'm going to make sure they're going to have a mortgage-ready plan that's predictable. So I set them up to win. They get the end loan eventually, and everybody gets cashed out. I gotcha. So when they take it over, then everybody gets paid back from down, down, the, down the page there. Yep. And, our, and just to put some math to this, our average three paydays go from East Coast to West Coast. It goes from like, Low end, forty five grand, all three paydays per deal. High end, quarter of a million. You know, in California, some of these high end deals they they fetch yeah. a lot with the three paydays. Wow, that's yeah, no, that's that's pretty cool. Uh, and it, and it, they sound like they're a lot easier deals than <laughs> other ones. They can be. Uh, the lease purchase are very simple, but but see, yeah. there's, there's pros and cons to every deal. Another show maybe, but the the lease purchase you don't own it, so you're not getting all those accounting benefits either. Right. I got you. Okay. So you lose out on that part of it. So obviously we talked a little bit in the beginning, you know, are you for 2023, 2024, are you guys kind of holding off? Are your students holding off or are people still buying properties, investing? Um, what, what is that? I know? am screaming like they a match of 20 to double down. And, and because I feel like with the demand for creative right now, even if you're a brand new student and I'm not trying to make it sound easy, this is a sprint, but if you're willing to sprint and commit, and learn how to do it with that si with that size of an upside it's worth the learning curve you can in my opinion sprint for the next nine or 12 months and create like five years to a decade worth of income in these three paydays because unlike most deals josh like like i was used to for all these years you do a deal you get paid great but with the three payday system you do a deal you get paid now you get paid monthly and you get paid long term that's pretty neat so you start to stack these on a spreadsheet and you can you realize you can get off the treadmill you don't always have to be on that proverbial treadmill and getting that one check per deal. And so, yeah, that's a good question. So we've talked a lot about like on single family homes and things like that. Where are we looking at or like what type of creative financing are you seeing with multifamily properties? So 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 units and stuff. Yep. I know, especially now with the interest rates doing what they're doing, 
there's a lot of sub twos being done and there's a lot of free and clear property uh, being done on a financing. You're not going to master lease purchase, you know, a big multi building, but you are going to do a sub two or an owner financing. There are just are some very tired landlords right now. And if they went through COVID, they're now hearing the press scream and recession, all that I promise you that some are going, ah, oh, man, I, I'm not doing this next run. Right. They just don't want to deal with it. I don't blame them. Yeah. And so, they're, so they're willing to do some owner financing and become sort of the bank. It's a great retirement for them. Like the guy that sold me this. Now, this is a small multi-use building, like six or eight units. But his logic was, now he's since passed, and I think he maybe knew something. But his logic was probably, okay, I don't want my son and my daughter owning a building, but they can be a bank. That's simple. So they get a check every month. What type of sellers should we be looking for? Yep, I'll tell you where we get our leads. We get our leads not like uncommon sources. Uh, expired listings, doesn't matter if it's a multi, commercial, or residential even though most of ours are residential. We get them from for sale by owners and we get them for, to get those tired landlords, we get them for the for rent by owner section as well, the advertisements. So, and then if someone says, hey, Chris, I, I get all these leads, you know, or us, we want more, like we, we're more aggressive with our lead flow. Then we start buying uh, niched lists like Free and Clear. You start, you know, talking to Free and Clear with a third of them in the United States being Free and Clear, you got plenty of people to talk to that because of covid and now the economy they're willing to sell and they're willing to structure some really cool terms so okay so we've we, we find our potential seller what are kind of some of those questions that we need to start to ask to start to formulate you know for a creative deal yeah this is good josh this is really the confusing people say how do you convince them right how do you how do you convince that guy to do you build? you don't convince them you the questions you ask and the conversations you have are all around how can I help you solve a challenge or problem in the case of, say, someone financially hurting or in the case of this building? How can I help you accomplish a goal that otherwise wasn't done by the open market? This guy put a four by eight sign out front here on a busy four lane road in front of me. And he, he put on the sign for sale by owner, owner financing and has realtors calling him for conventional sales. And he's just like, what are they thinking about? I plastered it on the sign. And right. So this. So. He wanted it for tax and estate reasons. So I just talked to him about that. Then the numbers come into play. Sometimes numbers don't come into play the first call because what are you trying to do? And if I can't help you, I'll tell you. You might as well go open market. If I can't help you, I'm going to tell you. And you mentioned um, like tax and estate reasons and stuff. What kind of benefits to seller financing is that? Yeah, for him it was, see, picture it. He's debt free, but he has, he'll have capital gains still. But he'll mm -hmm. have it over time on the payments. There's a proportion of payments without getting too crazy here advanced. But there's a portion of the payments that will be allocated to capital gains. It's subject to capital gains. And the rest won't. But he's not getting whacked all at once. And that was right. one of his concerns. The second was, like I said, I think he knew something was up because he literally passed away like two years later. Uh, gotcha. And I think he just wanted things clean but didn't want to sell it off and get whacked. And now his wife has a cash flow stream. Every month. No, that's awesome. Okay, so we, we, we find the seller, we start asking him the questions. What were some of those then kind of initial questions that we want to you know to use as discovery? Yeah, if it's an expired listing or for sale by owner, it's always, hey, Josh, I noticed you didn't sell yet. Where are you going if it sold? Or where had you planned on going if it had sold? If you be quiet after that, they can tell you everything. Well, I was going to go to Boston. I had my job, but this happened and the realtor couldn't sell. They'll tell you everything. In the case of this guy where he was advertising on a financing, I just said, I see you're signed for on a financing. Is that the only way you'll do it and why? And then he basically told me all he wanted to do, including dictating terms. So if you just ask questions about their situation, here's an analogy. It's like you and I talking to our neighbor. 
hey, you meet, I meet Josh and Cy. Why, Josh, I know it's your house for sale. Where are you going? Oh, oh, cool. When do you need to be there? Oh, all right, cool. What if it didn't sell? Are you going to hang out here? Are you going to look like that's the conversation you have. Very right. Open. And then, and then just kind of see where they're at and kind of what their position is. Leverage, or, you know, I mean, I guess uh, with um, understanding who they are, where they're going, and what, uh, you know, it, how tired they are, I guess is where I'm going. Yeah, because, <laughs> yeah, you said it right. Because how soon do you need to be there? And what if it doesn't sell tells you everything, too? Yeah. Okay, so you need it to be there. This interesting. If it doesn't sell, what's your plan? And that's mm. where you, we usually come in and I say, all right, then, Josh, if it doesn't sell, I look, everybody wants to sell full price cash tomorrow. But if it doesn't, use me as your plan B. And that's where we get the callbacks. That's great. And so you, obviously you said you're, you're, you got students out there, you're coaching them and everything. Kind of what is that focus with your students? Is that helping them acquire real estate for themselves or more kind of the flip you know, or wholesaling process? What does that look like? Both. It's not wholesaling. It's always per, the way we, we do it, which is buy it, exit it on rent to own or on a financing. So as far as is it for them or a business, most of the students come in from people that are in good paying W2 jobs. That's who usually is attracted to us. Mm. Who kind of always wanted okay. their own business or always wanted real estate. Uh, lately, that's who's been coming our way, maybe because of COVID, right? Pushing everybody in their own business. But to your point of, do they do it for just themselves? I tell people, look, if you just come in and learn the techniques, there's one constant about real estate. It's always changing. So if you just learn it for yourself and your family, like my son-in-law and daughter, and we have two grandkids, they bought their first house because they were entrepreneurs and not financeable at first. They bought it on lease purchase and made over six figures selling it. Like you can do your own home on this. And if you just learn that skill set and you take that and do one home every four or five years, that, that's a win. But most people do it as a business. Gotcha. And so that gives them the ability then to, like you said, they're, they, they have a W-2 job now, they're working somewhere. What do most people then kind of transition out of their W-2 and do this full-time or is it a part-time gig? Like, what does a that look like? Do. Yeah, a lot want to, just others are more serious about going, hey, Chris, give me a plan for 24 months. I'll do whatever you tell me. Others say it and then, you know, they, they think they're in an a la carte line and they, they pick A, D, and F and they think they're going to get A through Z, right? But, <laughs> but most want that. Yeah, it's just a matter of how serious they are. We can show them predictably if they'll be serious about it. That's awesome. What um, you're like, we're kind of asking questions here. You're like, man, I hope Josh was going to ask me this or I really want to share this information with the audience and everything before we wrap yeah. up in a few minutes. Uh, I'll give you just three quick steps, Josh. I think I, it's good for real estate in the show, but it's good for anyone in any business. So three things, pick a, pick a niche or an industry, not in this case, a niche in real estate that you can get behind. Like in our, in our niche, you got to kind of want to help people and in others it's less people. Um, number two, find someone in the niche that is where you want to be. And I meant business and personal because a lot of successful people screw their life up and their family up, right? That's not for me. So make sure you get that in the relationship. And then third, put the blinders on for three years. There's just too many shiny objects in real estate and it's easy to get thrown off. And that's when you just get on a treadmill and go thing to thing. If you stick with it for three years and that person can guide you and that person's been through cycles, you'll have a great experience with those three steps. You really will. Yeah, no, those are great. Well, Chris, where can people get more information about what you have going on, follow you, coaching, et cetera? We put a um, free book offer together, Josh, for your peeps. It's okay. not one of those free books yeah. where you go, okay, put $10 in for shipping. We'll ship it right out of this building. You're going to get a couple of the best sellers and a ticket to our event for free, our next live event. Just go to wickedsmartbooks, wickedsmartbooks.com forward slash bank. 
Awesome. Guys, the link's right down here. Make sure you guys click on it. Grab that free content. Um, if you have an inkling of it, real estate or you want to be serious about it, uh, Chris is your guy to connect with and uh, you know, see what he's got going on. Awesome. Uh, make sure you guys are, go back, rewind, watch this again. Take those notes and start applying it. You know, Do a little bit more in-depth research on the three different creative ways that Chris mentioned and start to understand what those are. And then how you can start, you know, applying them out there. Chris, thanks for coming on the show today. Awesome to have you. Appreciate it. I am Josh Felbert. You are watching Making Bank. Get out and be extraordinary.